We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings 2021 Pebble Beach, not Pro-Am. First look, research, everything you need to know if you want to play in the best tournament on DraftKings. It has been made bigger, so more of you can now play. You can find the Listener's League link in the description of the video and podcast. Please smash the like button of the episode, give me your early lean, share the show around, do all that fun stuff, and to get in a $100 American dollar giveaway... All you need to do is go to Daily Fantasy Sports Picks and Bets, The Mix. Find that either in the description or just search it on Apple for the podcast section. Leave a five-star review, handle of Twitter or email address, uh, and say something nice about it. Like, hey, people should listen to this if you want to win bucks or something like that, because it's actually been quite profitable. Far more profitable than listening to the Pat Mayo Experience, and you'll be in that draw for a hundred U.S. bucks. We're doing the giveaway on the Monday show with Jeff. We might do another one after that if you're watching it, uh, watching this show at least after Monday. So please get in that. We're trying to get as many reviews for that as possible, and always, you know, do the same thing for the Pat Mayo Experience if you've never done that, because that's how we traffic in the podcast industry. Reviews, ratings, all that fun stuff. It sucks soliciting it. But hey, if you've been listening for any sort of time, you can help out Mayo Media Network. And that's the best way to do so. So please go do that right now. Last thing, fantasynational.com. I'm going to do my walkthrough of research on fantasynational.com. If you go to fantasynational.com slash mayo, you get yourself the discount. And frankly, if you're generating lineups every single week or even playing more than 10 bucks worth of bets or DraftKings lineups, you're going to want fantasynational.com. Go check it out. 
Bad week for me so far. Wait till we get to the DraftKings lineup review. I might be like, you might be in real time watching me go broke with how shitty my $200 entries are. But like I mentioned, if you watch the other shows on Mayo Media Network, then you're probably going to profit. The way I like to think of it is the other shows keep you afloat while you lose money watching the Pat Mayo experience because Tom and Sky on the Europick show led Pat Mayo to two second place finishes in GPPs. If Victor Perez fucking hits his seven footer on the 72nd hole, I win two GPPs. That would have been nice. So at least I'll have offsetting money from the Euro Tour to PGA Tour. I wish I hadn't played like... $500 worth of entries for the PGA Tour and $50 worth of entries for Euro Tour. Wish I would have flopped those around, but hey, it's going to be okay, although I'm losing in the $200 for the third consecutive week, minus $600 for me. Euro Tour stuff getting me through, so I wish Victor Perez could have done something for me, but hey, here we are. Um, this week is at Pebble Beach. So there's a bit of a difference this time around in terms of how this tournament goes through. It's going to be infinitely better to watch on television, for one thing, because there are no amateurs in the field this time around. If you like to bet either on single day, well, you can play single day showdown, obviously, for DraftKings, but you can also do like head-to-head -head betting, everything like that, or even weekend live in tournament play. They've gotten rid of Monterey Peninsula this season, so it's just Spyglass and it's just Pebble Beach. And why is that important? Well, Although Spyglass doesn't have Shot Tracker, Pebble Beach does. Normally, this was a 156-person field with a three-course rotation in the cut after 54 holes, much like the American Express historically has been. But as we saw with Amex this year, getting rid of one of the courses, there's now a 36-hole cut and only two courses to go with and more information from Shot Tracker to go through. That's what we're going to have this time around at Pebble Beach, which is just fantastic news. Two-course rotation, 36-hole cut, makes DraftKings way better, makes live betting much easier. So I highly enjoy that. But like I mentioned, still 156 players in this field, and they're going to be split the first two days between the two courses. And it's weird because... Unlike like the Nicholas course and the stadium course, the Pete Dye course at American Express, Spyglass and Pebble can like really flip-flop between which plays the hardest on which certain day. Like Pebble is right on the coast. So if you get a windy day, Pebble's gonna play like super tough. But if it's a completely clear day, it's a bunch of short holes. And if you have like your wedges dialed in, you're gonna shoot like nine under par, especially if you start making some putts on this bumpy poa grass. So it's a really interesting dichotomy you can do this week. Uh, my early lean used to be at this course. I used to play 15 lineups and stack five, five, and five based on the three-course rotation. I had a lot of success with that. I believe it was two years ago. I think I got Phil, Casey, and C. Woo! No, Streelman. No, Stallings. It was, I had three of them that ended up inside the top five all in one lineup because I just did the specific course stacks. I'll probably do a few of those this time around too because it's going to be so hard to judge the weather, but you hope to get lucky that, hey, all your guys who played Spyglass one day, it's super difficult at Pebble, the... That, like the other side of the course that day. I mean, sometimes it doesn't work out, sometimes it does, but I'll have no idea which way that's actually going to go. So I'll probably just try to get lucky, separate my lineups. I'll probably go 20 lineups this week, five and five with the two course splits of stacks, and then just mix and match with the other ones. So well, I'm losing, so you probably don't want to go with me, but hey, here we go. Maybe that can work out for us. Uh, the field this time around, like I mentioned, 156 players, so a completely full field event. Top 65 and ties make the cut. And I'd normally say like, oh, wow, like it's going to be a really low six of six percentage, but this is the weakest field I've seen in, can't recall when. It's bad. Like it's an incredibly bad field this week at Pebble Beach. Um, it's not normally all that strong, 
But even overall, let's jump over to fantasynational.com. We'll just take a quick gander here. So fantasynational.com slash mayo if you want full access to the site. Let's just sort by strokes gained over the past 50 rounds, and you'll see the best players in the field, DJ, Berger, Cantley, that's all good. See, woo! And then Brian Harmon. Then it gets pretty dicey after that. Like, overall, if we're looking at the top end of players, you have Dustin, Cantley, Berger, Paul Casey, Day, Spieth. We'll see how Spieth does here. I'm recording this before the final round of the, before the leaders are off, at least. Another few hours till they're off, actually. So you have Spieth, Siwoo, Molinari, Ricky, and Phil. Like, that's your big one. Coming back from overseas, uh, the guys that played the Saudi International, there's an 11-hour time difference. DJ, Phil, Casey, Johnny Vegas, Min, woo, Lee, and Rafa Cabrera-Bayo are all playing in the field this week. And then it's like your random collection of, like, mid-carters, your intercontinental champions of the PGA Tour. Tringali, Burns, Cam Davis been playing really well, same as Norlander, Kazire, the Gim Reaper, Kirk, uh, Zalatoris just got into the field, um... Denny McCarthy, Charlie Hoffman, James Han. I was trying to figure out ways that I can win money at the waste management. And I really need Brooks. I put in a hundred to one with a top two each way on Han uh, before the fourth round began, just hoping to get lucky with something like that. We've just seen so many comeback wins here in the past. It, it's going to be really hard. It's my take on speed this week. I'm so happy to have him. Golf is so much more interesting when Spieth is in the mix. He's such a polarizing player from that way. I'm actually really glad he's doing well. I don't know what I want to happen with him. I think that, I mean, for my personal sake, like if Brooks or Han can't get back into it, I really don't care who wins. So Spieth would be nice to see. But if Spieth wins, I'd like to see him go and put a hammer down, shoot like a 64, win by four. It'd be nice to have him back. Uh, but at the same time, coming off a 61 on a par 71, a minus 10 effort, everything was working for him on Saturday. The ball striking was legit. He couldn't hit a fairway to save his fucking life. But even out of the sand. Like, the ball striking was pure. It was so nice to see. And he had the Jordan Spieth putt luck, making putts from fucking everywhere on the course. So I don't know how that's going to sustain itself. Something feels like it's got to give in the final round. But if he can just keep the putter hot, like, that's going to make that's going to allow him to overcome so many deficiencies T to green. And we know the short game is always going to be really good. But if the ball striking isn't there for him, he can overcome that with supreme putting. And vice versa, he can overcome bad putting with supreme ball striking. We just saw DJ do that overseas. He lost almost two strokes putting for the week and still won the event because he was so dialed in with the driver and on approach. Poor Tony. Tony Finau gets it tied no matter where he is on the fucking planet. All of a sudden, Tony starts missing five-foot putts every time he sniffs the lead out at any sort of event. So because the field is so weak, you might see a higher 6 of 6 percentage than usual. That would have me leaning stars and scrubs. Obviously, I don't know what the pricing or even odds are going to be for this. So let's take a look here. We have the entire field. Uh, I want... I fooled around with the actually before we even get into that let's take a look at who's played well at these courses in the past so this actually if i had listened to myself for pebble beach when woodland won and i had done everything out like woodland and xander were like the two highest like per round guys they just had such a small sample that it was really hard to trust so let's just take a look at pebble beach in general pebble beach golf links uh the course itself is very very short um 
and we'll see that once we dig more into the, it's 6,816 yards, Poa Greens, par 72, so you have the full complement. So players that have played well on this course, I have the past 50 rounds selected right now. Um, DJ, so DJ is going to be like a 3-1 to one favorite to win this event, especially coming off of a win and being by far the best player in the field. I guess Cantlay is pretty close to him in terms of the world rankings, but it's worth noting that Dustin hasn't actually won this event since 2010. It's been a full decade, despite the fact that I think that he's the favorite every single year and plays well every single year at this event as you can see he has the most total strokes gained after that we have people like tom layman who are like 95 years old but dj streelman layman spieth jb holmes phil mickelson snedeker day jimmy walker tim silky tim wilkins i feel like he just made a cut daniel berger and jim furick how is furick playing too so we'll just take a look at these guys uh, AT&T Pro-Am, 32nd, 45th the last two years. Obviously, he got run down by TPJ three years ago. Uh, so 2nd, 3rd, 41st, 4th, 2nd, miscut, 44th, 5th, 55th, miscut. And then you have, oh, sorry, one of those, few of those are for AT&T National. That's my bad on that one, the 44th and the, the 44th. And the miscut was at AT&T National. Uh, so he has no miscuts. He won the Pro-Am in 2010 and 2009. Obviously strong showings at the U.S. Open when it's been at Pebble Beach as well. Wilkinson, Wilkinson, Wilkinson. Yeah, came 73rd at the Farmers. Feel like he was up there the first few days. Uh, Sony and Safeway. So Furyk's still making cuts, but he's an older man at this point. Uh, so yeah, just overall, let's see on an average basis who plays this really well. Sort by T to green, not just putting. So yeah, Werner. Werner could be sneaky here. We'll dig into the stats from this week, at least three rounds of stats. Wilkinson, Michael Kim, Berger, Matthew Neesmith, Michael Gillick, Burgoon, DJ, Holmes, Casey, Seifert. Ah, my guy Seifert. Interesting to have him up there. Who's putt really well at this course? Baker, in two rounds and over the only guy over like Rogers in four rounds, 1.6 per round or 1.6. Yeah. 1.6 per round. Uh, Ted Potter, 1.6. And this is just at Pebble. So not including Spyglass. So that's interesting to see some of these names that pop up for Pebble Beach. Let's go to Spyglass. There's no strokes gain data from Spyglass Hill, but we'll have, be able to see the strokes gain total from that. Where are you at? Spyglass Hill GC. We'll click off that. See what's happening. So strokes gained total. Uh, DJ Watney, Day, Spieth, Harrington, Sung You'll Know, Phil Mickelson, Joel Damon, Brandon Haggy, Kevin Streelman. So Streelman pops up on both. Had a very nice finish here a year ago. Luke Donald, Johnson Wagner. And if we just take a look on average, Denny McCarthy, Zalatoros. This is all just one round for two of them. Damon and Haggy for three rounds, gaining almost four strokes total on the field. Sung You'll Know, Dustin Johnson, Spieth, Tyler McCumber, Ledesma in one round. Jason Day, and Nick Watney. So kind of interesting to see some of these names pop up. Uh, we'll take a quick look at the past course conditions from Pebble. and Check out to see what's, a, see what's a happening here. So you have Monterey, that's out this year. So calm conditions a year ago. The rough length was short, hitting fairways pretty easy. Very small greens at both these courses as well. That's why around the green is going to come into play. Some of the smallest greens on the pga tour both at spyglass and pebble beach uh and the poa greens as well so the only like in advanced metrics you're going to get really in-depth detail is going to be at pebble beach because they have the shot link data which is great for this year like i mentioned because we'll just get more and more and more data uh so the last time anything played difficult was last year round two at spyglass 
uh, last year, round three at Spyglass, and Pebble also played incredibly difficult on that day as well. Uh, even going back, then you have Pebble played difficult in 2019. Uh, in rounds two and rounds three, and then it plays like easy the next round. So it's a really hit or miss situation when you go day by day at Pebble Beach. That's why I don't mind the lineup stacks all that much. Uh, you can see the really short holes here. So you have one, two, three, four, four par threes that measure 300 to 400 yards, then another two that are 403 and 407. Uh, all pretty easy to tell you the truth. How's our eagle rate doing here? So the par 5 sixth hole generates eagles at around a 3% clip. And after that, it's pretty low. Sub 1% on all of the, on the par 5 18th. Uh, slightly over on some of these, like, they're not even drivable par 4s really, because uh, you have cliffs in the way and everything like that. So don't worry too much about eagle rate, but the birdie rates on these ones are pretty high on the par 5s. So that is worth noting this time around. Let's see if there's any sort of showdown advantage oh boy um so you're gonna get some tough holes right around the turn so eight nine and ten are three of the five most difficult holes on the course 17 very difficult 18 uh obviously it's a par five so it's a bit easier the 15th most difficult so the fourth easiest followed by the 12th you can sneak a birdie on number two maybe the wraparound is a little bit easier on that front you can see it's almost level uh by the top 10 finishers of how they actually play at Pebble Beach, approach and putting really outweighs off the tee and around the green. You want to be hitting the fairway so you have these really easy wedge approaches. We'll even see in the shot distribution. Very rarely do you see a course with, with the plurality of approach shots coming from 100 to 125 yards. That outweighs it. Then the next closest one is over 200. So if you can get dialed in 100 to 150, you're going to have plenty of birdie opportunities, especially if you're hitting from the fairway. You'll be able to utilize your spin, really stick it near the hole and hopefully you can putt really well on POA this time around and all of a sudden you're going to be up there. Uh, we don't really need to look at the historic cut line because the cut rules are way different this time around uh, where it's now 36 holes as opposed to 54 holes. And I believe it was top 60 in ties after the 54 holes uh, and the rounds are going to be way faster without any of the celebrity partners. Driving accuracy at this course almost 72% so no need to wait that too much. You want to be in the fairway on this so you can control your spin with those wedges but the players by and large where you have to club down so often there's forced layups happening on a lot of these holes that players are just going to dial back get to their proper range somewhere between 100 and 150 yards and just go at every single pin uh, if you miss the green then you know you got some up and down work to do switch over to spyglass and see what's up from over there where are you at, Spyglass? Spyglass Hill GC. Bit of a different layout. Um, you'll want to be playing, I guess if you can, oh, I guess we have double ups on number 18 here. I believe it's playing as the par five. Let's see, the par fives. One, two, three, four, five. Which one is getting doubled up here? Oh, now I'm super confused about what's going on <laughs> when it comes down to it. Um, I will dig into that for, it's probably not going to be, yeah, I think this is just a mislabeling of a par five here. The actual 18th is going to be the par four, uh, 430. Not sure how that ended up getting into the system. Have to talk to Moose about that. Uh, yeah, rank 20th. Uh, sometimes this happens from time to time. We parse over the data from Shotlink uh, with our partners at the PGA Tour. So throw that one out and take a gander back at it. So it's actually the eighth most difficult hole on the course. But still, when you see the wrap around here, number eight, 
number eight is the fourth most difficult, number nine, the seventh most difficult, or the first most difficult, depending, I guess it's not going to play as a par three. Oh, I don't know why these wraparounds are so weird. They must have changed over time. It's so the fourth, the seventh, and the ninth most difficult if you start on hole number one. If you start on hole number 10, you do get the leeway of an easier uh, number 17, a mid-range number 18, and a very easy number one to kick off. So it's probably more likely to have a birdie streak, although that's very minuscule. You probably shouldn't be starting it that way if you really want to. Uh, tournament history, if we take a look at the past champions overall, um, obviously Nick Taylor won a year ago, became like the first international player to win in ages. Very few international players ever really win at Pebble Beach over time, at least this tournament in particular. So it was Nick Taylor, Streelman, Phil, Jason Day, one, two, three, four, Berger and Matt Jones. Matt Jones playing Decent golf coming in, to tell you the truth. Uh, both tied for fifth. And McNeely, Spieth, Cantley, Malnati, Matthew Neesmith, uh, all on a tie for 11th. This is just showing the players that were in the that are in the field again this year, the year before that. Phil Mickelson won. That was a nice week for us. We had both Mickelson and Casey and Stallings on the card. Uh, as I mentioned, that was a very fun week to go through. But it was Phil, Casey, Stallings, Day, C, Woo, Kim inside. The top five. Three straight top ten finishes for Kevin Streelman at this course, too. Let's see how he's playing coming into action. Uh, 37th at the Farmers. Missed the cut at the Amex. Uh, not sure what he's up to right now, to be perfectly honest with you, at Waste Management. We'll take a look into Streelman. I'll make a note of that to go research how he's been doing when we take a look at the in-tournament stats. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? Like, for example, me being stuck with two little kids and my wife in a very small condo for the past 10 months starts to wear on you over time. But BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. This is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is a professional counseling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which not may be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide, and you can log into your account anytime and send messages to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit through an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read some of the testimonials that are posted daily, like this one about Brandon Wolfenden, CMHC. He's a very kind man. He isn't pushy and doesn't probe for answers. He is gentle and sweet. This is what Catherine Boulay has to say about her. Great service. Things keep getting better with Catherine. Look forward to 2021. Visit betterhelp.com mayo. That's better H-E-L-P and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. A special offer for Pat Mayo Experience listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com mayo. All right, so let's run a model, see how we're doing here. I adjusted it a little bit before I came on air. As you can see, Pebble Beach, high weight to approach, as we saw in the distribution of the splits. Opportunities gained at 5%, so that's any green in regulation or green under regulation or fringe in or under regulation within 15 feet of the hole. I also really weighted the proximities. One, 
100 to 125, 125 to 150, 150 to 175. Just to give it, it's not highly, highly weighted. As you can see, 9%, 8%, 3%, uh, as there's not a ton from 150 to 175. I might even change that to 200, to tell you the truth. Let's get rid of that and change it to 200, because that's where we saw where the second most approach shots are going to be coming from. Where's proximity 200 plus? And we'll just wait that at 3% uh, and see how that comes up. I waited putting at zero, but I do like to take a look at it. Like I mentioned, uh, par four is 300 to four, 350 to 400 yards, weighted at 15%. Uh, I like guys that it just kind of shows who's really good from 125 and in uh, if they're not driving the green in that circumstance. Off the tee, 10% around the green, 5%, par fives, 15%. I still might fudge this around as the week goes along, but I think just to give us an initial impression of how everything is going to go, we might as well take a look at who this spits out for right now. It might be super important this week just because there are so few like elite, elite players in the field. Like The biggest decision that you're going to have to make in your lineups is DJ or no DJ. I mean, DJ is going to be the overwhelming favorite, but he might be like 12,500 on DraftKings, which is kind of terrifying. So over the past 50 rounds overall, DJ Berger, Furick, Cam Davis, see, woo. Then you got Hollywood Hoagie coming in in sixth. Cantlay, Ryan Moore. Going to take a look into Ryan Moore here. The Teets, Josh Teeter, Shez Reavy. That's over the past 50 rounds. Let's shrink that down to past 24 rounds and see if it tells us anything new. Uh, it's been a rough go for Ryan Moore. Think that he may have made the cut. So Streelman, Ryan Moore, two guys to look into for waste management once we jump over to those in-tournament stats and see how we're doing in that regard. Past 24 rounds, the model shows us. DJ Burns, Furyk, Gim Reaper, Malnati. I think I can get behind Malnati this week. We'll see what his price comes in at. Kind of hope he's overpriced in a weird way to keep a few people off of him. Hoagie, Knox, Moore, Werner, Stumanji, Josh Teeter. So that's two rungs for Josh Teeter popping up. Davis, Norlander, Percy, Shez Revy, Aaron Wise. Wise was a lot better in round two at waste management than he was in round one when the guy could not make a putt to save his life. But Raza and I have talked about this a few times. We've noticed, like, if you go take a look at Aaron Wise and where he's popped recently, all kind of coastal courses. You got, like, the coastal at uh, Mayakoba comes in second. Uh, Houston plays pretty well. Coastal at Bermuda, and he makes the cut there. RSM did not do very well, although you can see when he played one course, he actually played pretty well. It was at the other course where it didn't go so hot. So he's really hit or miss when it comes down to it. But he does have that skill set that you like to see. Um, if you just try to find who is in the green for 100 to 125, you can even run an additional model just to see who pops in those two places. Obviously, DJ Burns very good from in close. The farther back you get, the worse he becomes. But he kind of makes it back up again once you get into the longer approaches. Tom Hoagie, very good, 10th from 100 to 125. And this is short term. You might want to look longer term on this as well. Knox, very good with his wedges. Ryan Moore, well known to be very good with his wedges. Aaron Wise, that's where he comes in here that's why he's popping up so highly shorter course uh very good with his wedges uh second 100 to 125 13th 125 to 150 and that doesn't even include Mayakoba because there's no shot link for those ones so that's really interesting to see him pop up really highly in that space 350 to 400 Seifert not great with his wedges Chase Seifert so uh, maybe we need to take a deeper dive into him Percy Matt Jones Cam Davis, Dustin Johnson, Jim Furyk, Matt Kuchar. Kuchar will be really interesting. He's having a decent week uh, at Waste Management, much better than he has been having in the past. Oh, the pig man. Oh, yeah, I forgot. The There's a whole bunch of, like, absolute jabronis who were in the field this week. So 
you have like the sponsors exemptions are all pretty good. Like Davis Riley is back in. Zelatoris got his back in. Uh, Batia's in. Uh, Ogletree is playing again this week uh, after missing out on Phoenix. He did play at Farmers and missed the cup. But then you have like Matt Gogol, who hasn't played on the tour since 2007. The pig man, Kenny Pigman, first start since 2009. And Kevin Hall, who I'm kind of convinced is a Tiger Woods 2005 creative player. Uh, he's playing for the first time since 2017 at Riviera. So really weird group of names that are coming up this time around. Uh, Kadira, he's made the cut at Phoenix. Uh, probably not going to go to Kadira. Let's just run. Um, go to sample size uh, rolling report and take the custom model, see if there's any like trenders that are going up or potentially guys that used to spike like a hundred rounds ago, that maybe it's worth digging back into just a tad to see how they're doing this week or how they could potentially do this week. It was quite a week for the stat model though. Um, Cause you know, everyone had given up on guys like Keegan Bradley, who is always just going very highly up in the model. The stats always look good. He even made mention that, you know, if I can just putt around field average, I'm going to be competitive in a lot of these tournaments. And all of a sudden that, you know, he's probably going to end up inside of a top 20, depending on how everything goes. Funny, Cam Davis is not outside the top 10 in this statistical model of players in this field of any of the ranges from four to the past 100 rounds. Can I do it with Cam Davis? Has he played here before, Cam Davis? I suppose I should look into that to see how he's been doing on some of these shorter courses. Third at Amex, that's a shorter course. 30th at Sony, shorter course. Sixth at the Sanderson Farms. All right, 15th at Wyndham. AT&T Pro-Am has made the cut the past two years, a 38th and a 59th. The approach is really good. Very poor on the greens at Pebble Beach a year ago. So I just get worried that all these guys get priced so, so highly. Maybe DJ being there will keep some of it off. Maybe it will be like DJ four and a half to one. And then maybe you get... Can't lay it 10 to 1, Burger at 12. Casey is very interesting, but he has good course history. So maybe you catch him at like 16 or 20. Like that would be reasonable. My early lean is Molinari, though. You can see a while back, he would have played really well here. Uh, and then past 12, past eight, past four weighted rounds, he continues to jump back up. Chris Kirk as well, very high up on that list. It's funny not to see DJ near the top, but uh, the farther you go back out of a four and eight round sample, one, 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 one. Is there anyone who's just garbage now that would have been really good 100 rounds ago? Furick, Streelman, and Werner all pop up. Tringali as well was, I mean, Tringali is still inside the top 30, even in the shorter sample of things, but interesting to see those guys. I mean, Tom Lehman, you can kind of throw. Munoz is progressively getting worse. That's especially after round one at Waste Management, kind of when we go to my $200 lineup, I believe he is in that and he submarined it. So Molinari on the up and up, Hoagie getting a little bit better. Let's see how Hoagie is doing here. It's been a rough, rough go for Hoagie. I think he did make the cut at Phoenix, though. We'll see with Brennan Steele. He is someone I liked uh, this week coming in after playing, you know, fourth and 21st at Sony and Amex. No real spikes here. His best finish was 16th in 2013. A lot of that had to do with chipping really well at Pebble Beach. Both times that he's played well, he's chipped really well. So interesting to see that that's how he's getting things done. Let's see the Ryan Moore. AT&T Pro-Am missed the cut. 20th at the Pro-Am. That's AT&T National. Not a great track record for Ryan Moore at this event in the past. Okay, some early leans. It's going to be really tough to get my mind around who's going to be playing well here and who is not going to be playing really well here. 
Jump back over to the in-tournament stats for waste management uh, and kind of get a sense. I probably don't need to do the rolling report. I can just kind of do past 36 rounds, strokes gained. Maybe that'll load everything up for us very easily. Go to the in-tournament stats and see how the peoples are playing. We'll do the all rounds. We'll switch over to total. I think Spieth is leading in approach. Yeah, Spieth, Homa, Han, Harold Varner III. John Rom. So maybe Varner is going to be worth a look next week. Hopefully he kind of gets buried a little bit. Uh, the stats will still like him, but it won't be two great results coming up. Ball striking wise, overall, Homa Streelman. So yeah, Streelman's going to be very, very popular. Maybe he'll get the course history pricing, but even then, he's probably still worth having this week. So Streelman was one of the guys I wanted to look up to see how he's doing this week. Very good. Ryan Moore. Moore missed the cut. Did well off the tee. That was about it for him. Of guys who missed the cut, just take a scan of the leaderboard. Who was, like, pretty good here? Doc Redmond couldn't make a putt to save his life. Jason Day couldn't make a putt to save his life, although he has back-to-back top tens at Pebble Beach. So maybe Day could be worth a play again, although it's really weird to see him lose five strokes putting. Like, that is so unlike Jason Day. I know he just switched putters back to his old move, but, man... It's shocking to see him perform that poorly. Woodland, that was more of a second-round thing. Austin Cook, I don't think either of those guys are in the field. The Gooch, not sure whether or not he's in the field. Vijegas, Sadler, got sewered by bad putters. Other than that, nothing really a-doing at the waste management. So if we just take, again, a look at the approach through three rounds and a bit live into the fourth round right now. Um, as you can see, Spieth hasn't even teed off yet as the time I'm recording this. Lashley playing really well. Stanley uh, playing really well. Aaron Wise. Uh, he, Aaron Wise did make the cut. Wow. Did not see that coming. Uh, four and a half strokes gained on approach. So Wise is going to be a look for me along with Molinari. So that's where we're going already. Oh, good. Brooks, what is he, going backwards? Uh, thanks, Brooks. Thanks for nothing. Zelatoros, uh, Neesmith, they're both playing Stallings, having a decent week. Uh, so again, it's funny. A lot of the guys that tend to play well at Pebble Beach having a good week already in advance. Siwoo's driving is letting him down. He's in 30th right now, but the rest of the game looks pretty good for him. As you can see, the best two players uh, who missed the cut in approach, but still up there inside the top 20 for the week, Redmond and Jason Day. Interesting to see. Maybe we'll get some Mark Hubbard action too on the go. He's minus nine overall. He's through seven holes so far. I saw he made two huge putts to begin his Sunday, but still pretty good numbers for him uh, when it comes down to the Phoenix, at least in terms of approach. All right, it's time to take the moment of truth as I get to be embarrassed by how bad my $200 single entry team was this week. So let's see it. Hideki, Ryan Palmer, Bubba Watson, Corey Connors, and then Johnny uh, and Sebastian Munoz. Uh, plus nine. That's pretty good, Johnny, or pretty good, Seb. Uh, huh. Really kind of killed me here. I, I don't think I would have had a chance, even if it was a five of six this week for me, uh, only because I, I have no one up near the top. The three guys that I went really, actually the four guys that I went really heavy on across all of my lineups this week, I think I had 75% Hideki, 75% Xander, and 75% uh, and 50% Bubba and Corey Connors in my lineup. Corey Connors is doing fine for the price point, but the opportunity cost of Hideki is really the downside. Again, I didn't have the guts to play these super superstars, super scrubsy type lineup, and those are, again, my best lineups of the week. Those all went, I 
I went with Xander and Rom as my top two end options from that regard. And I thought that was going to be pretty good. And Xander's obviously playing well. Rom is kind of puttering around inside the top 10 as of right now. See how that's going. Uh, but I couldn't hit the bottom end. Like even like Keith Mitchell just got it going so badly on the back nine on Thursday. Just took himself completely out of contention. Huh? Had a meltdown. I mean, Munoz was just done as soon as he made that quad. That was one thing. But huh? Should have made the cut and then just didn't. He had a very poor putting performance. And then Bubba's not really doing anything. Like he's T39. Hideki's T39. Palmer is just having a really bad, just been really bad overall. So horrible picks. By me, I wish I had had the guts again to do that stars up, stars down, stars and scrubs type lineup in the single entry. But no, I had to play it a bit more balanced and it really kind of came back to screw me. Like I said, even if Hunt made the cut in this, hell, if both of Hunt and Munoz made the cut, they all probably would have done so poorly. I still wouldn't even have cash in this. I'm really near the bottom here. So I have to reassess. What I'm doing here, maybe the balance lineup where, well, it worked really well for me the first two weeks, and Hawaii has not really worked in this contest since, so I'll have to really try to wrap my mind around what I want to do for Pebble Beach. Maybe I want to stop playing the $200 and continue to leak all of my money back here, though. But instead of starting with Xander, I thought I would go balance and start with Hideki. I kind of fell into a trap here, and maybe sometimes it's not best to look at this stuff because, I mean, it, it is when it works out well for you. Like, if you had just played a bunch of Louis this week, uh, you would have been doing really well. He was a guy that no one was really on in that area in the very high-end $8,000 range. But when I took a look at how all the ownership was projecting coming into this week that it really looked like people were bypassing Matsuyama only because you had Webb who was going to be popular right above him, Berger who was going to be super chalky and was right below him. There was an ownership discount on Hideki this week. It turned out to be not very good. Uh, and by having him in the upper 9,000s with the way that I was constructing lineups, you know, that made me miss out on the higher-end guys uh, if I wanted to pay up, uh, or even the lower-end, the Zalatora Scotty Scheffler type regions. I mean, basically what happened to me with Matsuyama is what I should have done with Scotty Scheffler, but didn't have the guts to do it. So uh, just a very bad lineup all around. I'm hoping to improve on this next week, but hey, I'm not going to run and hide from how shitty my lineup was. Like I said, Euro Tour Bay me out big time so big thanks to tom and sky on that one again and i do have some few good lineups but honestly like in full disclosure i played 21 lineups this week zero six of sixes because of you know basically hunt and munoz submarined any attempt i wanted to do with that like they were either my cheapest guy in a lineup or second to cheapest guy or even as you can see sometimes i played them in both uh, of a lineup so that didn't go very well i wish i had like there's a few guys i wish i had the guts in retrospect to play one was oh good i even just fell in this tournament again live real time as we go from 252 to 254 just getting worse for your boy pat over here in the 200 dollar but scheffler was one that i really should have ended up playing and i really liked Grayson Murray coming into the week uh he kept having one bad round overall but if he could just put it together I had seen that he'd never missed the cut at this tournament just I don't like Grayson Murray for one thing and it just worried me that he would go like full eject mode and shoot plus seven turns out all of the other guys that I picked ended up doing that instead but the stats pointed to him he's having a really good ball striking week and the putter hasn't been absolutely useless which is usually a good sign for someone like Grayson Murray. And he's having a good week. And I think he was the stone min at $6,000 really opened up those double pay up lineups or, you know, 
$11,000 guy, high $10,000 guy to $9,000 guys. Like you could have had Xander, Zalatoros, and Scheffler in your lineup uh, if you had played one of those guys. How, if you had played Spieth, you're doing fucking fantastic. I don't know what would have led you to Spieth. Uh, maybe it was all the shit talk that everyone gave him, myself included, all week long that, you know, why were you playing this guy? He's wildly overpriced, especially on DraftKings, especially versus his odds on DraftKings. If you'd used him, it's turning out pretty well for you, at least through 54 holes. So hopefully you can close that down, whether you have a bet or whether you have a DraftKings lineup, which is being held together by Jordan Spieth right now. I mean, listen, I'm way out of the money, so I'm rooting for you at this point. All right. Listeners League is open on DraftKings right now. Link is in the description of this video and podcast. Share it around. I'll be back with Jeff tomorrow. We'll be revealing one of the winners of the giveaway, Daily Fantasy Sports Picks and Bets, The Mix, the Apple Podcast. Rate, review, subscribe, five-star review, email, Twitter handle, so I can get in contact with you if you are indeed the winner. So please go do that right now. Thank you all for watching. Enjoy the golf. Enjoy the football. We'll see you on Monday. I We'll see you next time. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.